On today's episode of Pennies Going In Raw, Hugh and I discuss a wild August, how to adjust to a changing market, Q&A, and our working all trading segment with our new best friends, Breathe Carolina. Hey, yo, check one, two. This is Flavor Flav in the building for the Atlas crew. Atlas trading, what the fuck is up? They're traders, they're prodigies, and then there's legends. Rob, 4%, baby. No way. 4% fucking percent. by the fucking dip. Hey, who told me about IDEX? Like, dude, what the fuck? Like, someone just made, like, a lot more money than me on my trade. You find out, likes this game of pennies. Did you check the portfolio? Pennies. 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 The margin for error is so small. I bet Warren Buffett never did that. And they out there making money right now off of penny stocks. The two guys is putting their work to make y'all rich. The pennies we need are everywhere around us. Something big. Pennies going in raw. Featuring Dan, Deity It Dips, and Hugh Honey. Produced by Vinny Strokes, baby. Welcome to the Penny Stock Podcast, brought to you by the Blazing Chronicle. Today is Sunday, August twenty third, and uh, Hugh is is this slow ass August going to end in seven days, or is it going to be like Groundhog's Day, deciding if the rest of the year is going to be trash? Wow, you you really you're really coming out with those analogies. Um, I I've been th- I thought about that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I hope it starts to heat up again. I'm really getting bored out of my mind. Um, but I think it will. Uh, PJ and I talked about this, and I think that this is really important, that if we didn't have this pullback here, or quote-unquote, when I say pullback, I mean in volume, then we, we were really afraid that by the time the election season came around, that that would be it for the market, that we would start to see August, like, you know, quote-unquote, the August slow from the election to the end of the year, and that's not what we wanted. So I'm kind of happy that this is happening. We take three weeks of the market being slow for the rest of the year to be really hot. So I'm I'm kind of okay with it. Yeah, man. Uh, I think I think it's good for a longer term. But right now, uh, for newer traders, it's like war out there. It's like you look around and it's like a D-Day movie. People <laughs> with one leg cut off screaming like, ah, help. Where's my resume? This is the worst month ever, you know? Yeah. I mean, but it, it's going to be the worst month ever, especially if you started in March. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, when you're so used to those huge runners and so much, you know, so much gain, I mean, some of these guys were putting in 50% of their portfolio and doubling it in a day uh, on chasing news. And now it's just not a thing. You know, if something pops 50%, sometimes that's a good day. Sometimes that's the top runner. So I think that sometimes, no, if something pops 50%, that's that's definitely a good day. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, it's things like right now. Uh, I think even around July-ish, it started to slow down where things don't run two days in a row. Uh, I think even in like April and June, they were still still moving. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Like the next day. Yeah, yeah, they were still... And, and the thing is that the sympathies were going nuts. Um, we had, we've had a lot of people in our DMs talking about um, that why aren't sympathies moving as much. It's not that they're not moving as much. It's just that the that the amount that they used to move... A perfect example was UAVS and Vissel. When UAVS went like, like even when UAVS would go sixty percent, I mean Vissel was right behind it, going like thirty, forty percent. So now, now that you're seeing the sympathies not run as hard, everyone's like, "What the heck?" When in reality, twenty percent is beautiful. Yeah, I mean, if you can get twenty percent off a of sympathy, especially if you catch it fast, uh, it's always really good. That's why you need to know your sectors real well. Yeah. Uh, I know, I know a lot of folks that seem to have gotten bit by the, uh, AVGR offering, but also along with that, I think it'd be good for us to talk about the GEVO offering that happened in the middle of the night. That was, that was wild. Uh, if you want to dive into, to both of those. Yeah. So we can start with GEVO and I got some hate for a tweet that I sent out at like 1am on what was it like Thursday or something. That was because I said like, oh, that sucks. And like people thought I was making fun of it. And in a way I am, but you guys have to understand that when something runs that hard, there's always going to be a chance of an offering. Always. You have to go into these stocks assuming that their management are dirtbags, that they're looking to do anything at all to fill their pockets, that just these companies are shitbags. And if you could do that, and, I, and I've said it a bunch of times, and I guess I haven't tweeted about it enough, is China Hustle. If you guys have some time, 
watch China Hustle and you will get a completely different perspective. Stop looking for the next Amazon. Stop doing that and look for something that can that can give us the most amount of profit in the shortest amount of time. And by China Hustles on Hulu, by the way. Yeah, China Hustles. Yeah, and it's really good. It gives you into the insight that it, it gives you into the insight that everything is bullshit. Everything that no matter what, the odds are always stacked against you, and that it's just it, it it'll blow your mind. The more the moral of that movie is uh, take take your profits. Yeah, take your profits. That basically the most. I mean, we can even talk about Enron. Enron was holding up. It, you know the economy in like in the county and um it, it was completely fake i mean it was the entire enron's entire operation was nonsense so i think if you guys have some time watch china hustle you'll understand that it is much safer to take your profits on something and also n- no blue chip runs as much as penny stocks like we're like we make incredible they make incredible amount of moves up and down and if we use that to our advantage you know, you can make so much money. Yeah. On the other side, there was AVGR, and it just had an offering about two weeks ago, and that was kind of our first entry point, and it dipped to around the exact same spot. You know, I, I actually got a good bit of that on the dip. It's funny because uh, we recorded the last segment of this episode on Thursday, and I may have made some comments about AVGR that aren't exactly historically correct now. But I'm pretty sure all I said was AVGR has been good this week. But uh, yeah, so it had another offering today. I mean, Thursday, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, can you kind of dive into like, you know, it's not it's not going to be like tops or having offerings every other week. No, and this is where we talked about it two weeks ago, I think, about understand why. Did we do the offering segment two weeks ago? Um, or was that three weeks yeah, ago? Yeah, it was, it was a while back. Yeah, so and one of the biggest things that we talked about was why are they doing this offering? And one of the reasons that I was so strong about EVFM was because they had done a huge offering. And um, one of the things that we talk about a lot and one of our biggest concerns is an offering um, right before a product launch. And that's because these companies, and again, I always assume that the management doesn't know what they're doing. And a lot of times they don't. So if they have a product coming to market and they go to commercialize, a lot of companies, if they're if it's their first drug or their first product commercializing, they don't understand that even if it's the smallest drug, it takes 20, 30, 40, 100 million dollars just to commercialize. And that's a lot of money, especially some of these companies that have 30, 40 million market cap. So, or even, even if you have a billion dollar market cap, I mean, a hundred million is still a lot just to commercialize. So a lot of these management teams do not take that into account. So that's why it's really important to understand why are they doing the offering and AVGR to me, it's not a huge offering all day. They didn't give many details. I assume I'm, I'm assuming that it's because of the 510k for you guys that don't know or if you're new listening, the 510K is for products and, and FDA clearance. That's significantly easier to get approved than, you know, say like a phase three drug or something like that. So in my opinion, I think that the offering was not for compensation, was not some wasteful thing, but I felt that it was for the 510K and that it was something that they had to do and they had no other options. And that's how I kind of feel about it. So I'm still swinging it. I'm comfortable. We're, we still have two or three more catalysts and um, I'm content. Okay, good, because I added more. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, okay, so I think the main part of this episode that we're going to get to is how to adjust to a changing market. Uh, obviously, there's there's a lot of things going on, especially when there's COVID and elections and whatnot. And even long-term traders would have seen, like, in February, there because of January's COVID crisis in China, they were all like, like okay, it's going to come to America. Food delivery is going to be necessary because of the lockdowns and all the other plays of that matter. So the the fact is that markets change a lot and you got to adjust. How exactly do you kind of in shorter term adjust to a market change? Yeah. So for me, it's not something that just happens overnight. It takes me at least two weeks because I'd like to feel the change and I like to see the change. Um, I'm a big numbers guy. So for me, I like to do like more of like a statistical breakdown of what's going on. Uh, You know, so it doesn't take me like overnight and be like being like, okay, the market's changed today. 
I don't have like a funny bone that just tells me when the market's changing. For me, it takes time. I like to see, I like to see the change. And when I feel that a change is coming or that we're in a change and we talk about, and this is what what I do for August. This is kind of like my strategy for August, but this is also when the market's changing is that when the market's shifting, I take back my position sizing and I take back the amount of swings that we have. So say that usually, say I have a, an account that's $50,000 and say that during a hot, quote unquote, hot market, I have, I like to have 40,000 on the street. What I'll do instead is that I'll have maybe 20,000 on the street. And that's just so that I can limit my risk. And that is so that until I feel confident in the shift, I'm limiting my exposure. And so I see like a lot of people, I'm sure you see it too. A lot of people have been losing most of their yearly gains. Like I've seen people, you know, they do five months of killer gains. And in this last month, they've blown up. Um, yeah, I've, I've never really understood how people blow up their accounts unless they're just putting too much yeah. into some stocks. But yeah, when, when it does slow down, obviously it's a lot smarter to go into less positions. Uh, I, I've already had to do it, not even just less positions, but less size. Yeah. Uh, I, I used to play like 40 and just in this market, I'm like, Jesus, because whenever that market starts dropping, it, it's incredibly difficult, and especially when you have that many. Uh, and that even comes from just like a mental standpoint of being able to handle it all. Exactly. But uh, when in terms of like a bull market versus a bear market, uh, do you how do you exactly transition? And then besides just uh, your position sizes, is there anything else you change? Yeah. So I changed my position sizes, and it, although I'm not a huge day trader, if you're a day trader, you need to look for you need to look for confirmation. If you just see you know, a chart that you like, you need to take an extra step back and understand what's going to happen. And you need that confirmation because they're in this market and in bear markets, there's so many fake outs. In 2008, there was over 17,000 hedge funds that went belly up. And the reason that they went belly up was because every time that they thought that the market hit bottom, it would do a fake out, meaning that it would come up a little bit and then go lower, come up a little bit, go lower. And that is what we can't have happen to our accounts. So every time that you think that it's lower, you need to always have some powder or some cash left on the side. You can't, your exposure needs to be so limited during times like this to where you can't blow up your account. It, it needs to be almost impossible. Okay, so is there any way that you've noticed that you like to transition to these market changes uh, besides just wait the two weeks and filling it out? Or is there any other way that you like to do it? Yeah, so like I said, I don't change my strategy the way that I, you know, like the different stocks or the different strategy that I use. That's all the same. But if I have like a $50,000 account and my usual starter is $8,000, instead I'll pull back to $5,000. Or if I'm swinging something for like a run up, but it doesn't have an imminent catalyst. So like target, I was swinging target purely based on the chart. So I'll cut something like that when I feel the market's changing or that the market's slow, like during August. So if I feel the market's heavy or that it's changing, then I really like to hone in on my strategy and only use things that will give me the, that I know have great risk to reward. And I'll also limit my risk by reducing the amount of money on the street. In March and April, I constantly had the most exposure on the street possible. And what that means is that I was going for maximum growth and I wanted to have my money working for me as best as possible. Now I'm cha- I'm transitioning and I think that this is really important and you said it, you touched on it, is that now I'm trying, we, we've had a great year so far. So now I'm still trying to grow, but my number one job is protecting capital. And that's yeah. all. Well, you've made a, a damn good bit of it. You got to protect, so... Thanks, baby. Um, <laughs> so whenever the market does start slowing down or maybe even just turns to a bear market, do you start shorting a little more or playing more options or anything like that? Yeah, so I definitely play more options and I definitely play more options. I don't short anything just because I don't, um, it, it's not like a moral reason. You're not it's, a bitch. <laughs> yeah, I just don't see it's so much easier to get squeezed to the upside than to the downside. We all get flushed, but if you get halted up on, you are I mean, 
I've <laughs> seen, yeah, I mean, I've seen great traders that I've followed um, who are short traders. And I mean, uh, one of the guys I'm thinking of right now, he lost $970,000 in a day. Yeah, dude, I'm just thinking of like if you were shorting PRPO, like yeah. if you just had 20000 that's that's $100,000. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, most of these shorts, what they do is, is that they, they, they do take considerable size on margin. So if you get squeezed, one, all it takes is one squeeze. If I, get, I got flushed on Tesla options last week, okay, fine, I lost 30%. Okay, whatever. These guys, they go on margin, and now you're paying on margin. Now you get squeezed. If you get halted twice, here's the thing, is that the broker can sell for you. If the broker feels that their exposure is too much because, again, you're on margin, you're borrowing from them, then they can sell for you. And sometimes they're selling for you at the top. So even if you don't want to sell, you don't have the choice. So that's why I don't short because all it takes is one thing. After I saw that guy lose, and it was a pretty decent, it was someone that I was... I, I was looking up to like, you know, he really knew what he was doing and there's just nothing you could do. He got squeezed to the upside, lost $975,000. Now, again, if you make nine, if you make a million a month, fine, that's nothing. But that he lost seven months worth of profit. And not only did he lose seven months worth of profit, but it's also the mental capacity. Like how much, how, what, what are you up? Like 60 grand in the last seven months? Uh, About. Eh, about seven, 65, about that, yeah. Okay, yeah, so 65. Could you imagine if you lost that on Monday, what it would do to your mental capacity? That, yeah, I wouldn't be able to. I, would, like, I, I, I don't know what I'd do. <laughs> exactly. So the money apart, you know, the money is one factor, but the mental capacity of it would just be, I mean, it would be too much. It, it would be too much for me. Um, so that's huge. Yeah. Okay. So I guess I can scratch my next question of can someone who doesn't short make money in a bear market? Duh, delete that. Um. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, if you want me to touch on that, yes, it's just in a bear market, you have to understand that things are getting pulled down with the market. Okay. When, when, when the algo, we, we, we talk about the algos aren't on. Okay. That's like kind of like a literal thing. When the algos aren't chasing stocks and the market's being pulled down, if you're swinging 40 things, all 40 things are going to be pulled down. So that's why it's super important to hone in on your strategy and make sure that the risk to reward is there, is there. You don't want to be, you don't want to have 50, 50 risk to reward in a bear market. You need to have that 80, 20, um, <laughs> that 80, you know 20 reward. Talks through about that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. But you need to make it, it's so imperative because I mean we're seeing it all we're we're seeing it across the board that everybody's having a terrible August. And I mean like like I'm not gonna I probably won't hit my goal, but I'm I'm not losing money, and that's because I hone in on my strategy and you know you have to take the best risk to reward possible and not you you can't blow up six months of gains, especially when you're new, because you'll never recover from that mentally. Yeah. Um, okay. So kind of back to current day, how is yeah. the COVID market different in terms of, yeah, uh, the, the waiters, you know, obviously that kind of shit's running because of the food delivery and IBIO the testing and the vaccines, blah, 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 blah. But were the, you know, the shelf offerings always bought up as quick prior to this. Were sympathy plays always running like they were prior to COVID? Can you <laughs> kind of touch on that as more of a someone who's been here a lot longer than maybe some of the people that have been listening? Yeah. So we compared the Corona market to the Bitcoin mining market of like 2017 a lot. And, and it definitely has some similarities. Any company could mention Bitcoin or blockchain and it would fly. And in and again, and that's because it added a whole new catalyst. And Corona adds a whole new catalyst. Like we talked about waiter and food delivery and testing and masks and all this type of crap. It adds a whole nother catalyst because that's that's what makes the stock move. But where Corona supersedes blockchain and any other, I don't want to say bubble, um, but that's kind of what it is. Um you know, the difference with Corona is that there's more liquidity than ever in the market. And that's because people are having stimulus checks. Uh, It's funny. It's funny. I was talking, my mom was talking to her friend a few days ago and she was like, oh, like, what's Hugh doing after college? He's like, oh, he's doing his own thing. He's a trader. 
And her first words were, oh, he's a Corona trader. That's so nice. Johnny, Johnny started doing that too. He's up like $300. And, um, and so, so (laughs) regular Americans are becoming day traders and that's awesome because there's more liquidity in the market i've heard realtors are actually becoming day traders too. I, saw, <laughs> I saw something on fox business about it yeah <laughs> yeah exactly and and you know we talk about it to a certain extent that oh like you know you know hugh zach pj thank you for making me so much money and it's insane and it's just because there's so much liquidity i mean zach had five thousand followers this time last year he's at a hundred thousand that alone should be like a bloomberg statistic that shows um, you know, that regular Americans are just getting into the market at drones. 90 million TD accounts were set up in quarter two. 90 million. That's one broker. Yeah, I know. Dude, isn't that's, that's like insane? one third of America. It, well, isn't that incredible? Yeah, but isn't that incredible? Like that's everybody's getting into the game. And so it's awesome because it adds so much liquidity. So when when a sector starts to run, we're so everything screwed when runs. they leave. <laughs> yeah. Are we? I, Bob and I were talking about this the other day. We're like, dude, we're not even going to know how to trade anymore. Um, like something's not going to run three hundred percent, and we're going to be like, what is this? Um, you know, yeah, right right before coronavirus, I remember there was some like war shit going on. The the oils were going, yeah, like an Iran thing. And then like the very next week, it was like corona time yeah exactly i mean that was a wild i was in costa rica um i was in january i think yeah yeah i was in costa rica for the whole oil thing and i loaded the boat on the oils and um and i woke up late one day and there was like a there was like a pack talks or whatever and i was down so much and i was like i'm such an idiot and then corona came around and everything started running wild. And so that's really important is that to understand why. So it gives us a catalyst, kind of like black blockchain. And the other thing that it does is that there's so much liquidity in the market. So that's why I think that if when when a stimulus check does come, another stimulus check gets cut, even if it's not as big, I still do think that we will see more liquidity in the market. Um, and that's why I'm not convinced that we will see a huge drop during election time because if right before election time Americans get a stimulus check, I'm sure half of them are going to put inside their Robinhood TD Weeble, and that's and the thing that's going to drive things nuts. Even in the, the thing that's going to drive the market higher is going to be these stimulus checks because it's just building a house of cards. Um, we can get into that. Uh, in I hope minute, it never but, falls. Yeah, um, I know, I know, I know. So- Okay, so the last little bit of this one is, do you suppose this COVID market is calming down or what? Because it's kind of, you know, the market kind of goes all wild regardless of whatever the statistics on COVID is now. But it seemed like the the penny mania started to slow down uh, to July and then really slowed down in August uh, with round two hitting. Could you kind of touch on those things? Yeah, so I think it's important what we just talked about was that the corona catalyst so I, I kind of group Corona as its own catalyst. So yeah. kind of like FDA catalyst. There's so many. Yeah, yeah. There's so many of yeah. them. If, even if any company mentioned coronavirus. Uh, yeah. I remember GNUS was a kid's channel and it had <laughs> a PR that included the words Warren Buffett and coronavirus. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, dude, I'm telling you, some C, I mean, some CEOs and managers are so... They're, they're, I mean, I, I enjoy those. I mean, yeah. I like them because they'll be like, oh, yeah, Warren Buffett... Brett Favre, Jamie Foxx, Corona, and then we would like to work with them. Like they just mentioned them, yeah. um, <laughs> but but that's how that's scanners pick up words in in press releases, and uh, so I think it's sneaky. But I do think that the catalyst Corona is starting to slow down. You can't you can't have a twenty million uh, the chances of a twenty million dollar market cap company creating up with a, creating a Corona vaccine now uh, seems dismal. But <laughs> yeah, you know, earlier, like back in March, everyone was giving that shot and we were just, everyone was just believing whatever. Yeah. Weed companies were like, oh, you know what? We're actually just going to cure Corona. Don't worry. Um, we're, we're starting a, we're starting a, uh, phase one or a preclinical and it would run yeah, like then, a thousand Then camera companies decided they'd cure it, uh, <laughs> recently. Yeah, exactly. So I think that that's really important that I do think that the catalyst of Corona is going to start to slow down. Now, take my words with a grain of salt, because if Corona kicks back into full gear and like people start dying, knock on wood, that doesn't happen. But if that does happen, yeah, 
seriously, if it does happen though, then we could see that catalyst fire up again and you'll see the IBIOs. He's like, if it, if it does happen, I will take advantage of those deaths. They will not be in vain. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so, and then, and then, but like we said, liquidity is that another stimulus check is coming. So that will add liquidity to the market. And with that, although the Corona catalyst is gone, things with FDA approval, product drops, things with real catalyst, other catalysts will, will see a nicer pop. And also again, it's August. So, you know, hedge fund managers are going to start coming back They're You know, once their kids go to school, they stop taking vacations. Uh, What you guys have to understand is that if, 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 if I'm the hedge fund manager and I have 300 million under assets under management, when I go on vacation, I'm allowing my team to maybe use 50 million. Because I ain't trusting Dan with my, I ain't trusting Dan with the reins. So, (laughs) so when I come back though, that's when everything can start again. But when I'm on vacation, I'm letting maybe a quarter, especially knowing that summer, I'm maybe allowing a quarter of my money to go onto the street. But when all these hedge fund managers come back and they stop taking vacations and all these, you know, algo guys come back, we're going to see, yeah, yeah, we're going to see a good, we're going to see, you know, now I'm not saying that September 1st, this is going to happen. This, sometimes it takes two to three weeks into September for things to really start heating up again. But again, who cares? We have the rest of the year. Um, What's two to three weeks? Right. Uh, okay, cool. So now to wrap it up with our final segments, we've got some swings of the week, our Q&A, Hughes DD, and our Working While Trading interview with the coolest guys and super famous DJs. Well, they were super famous in 2011. Uh, <laughs> Carolina. Um, so swings of the week. Uh, yeah, let's get into them. So I'm not going to name SPAC. SPAC is my swing of the end of the year, the, the fourth quarter. Um, still chilling with ONTX. Uh, we got a new one coming out in Hughes DD at the end, so stick around for Datton. And I got a little AVGR now. Good yeah, I, I love SPAQ. That's I can't wait for that one to go. And then, um, of course, AVGR, uh, OTLK. Uh, wait, are we just swinging the same things? Uh, yeah, I, I, that's why this segment's usually quick. If <laughs> last, last midweek section, we give a really good, uh, <laughs> really good rundown on these. Maybe go check that out. Oh, okay. you know what though? I do want to touch on EVF. You know what? <laughs> uh, EVFN. We were really going towards that 350 pivot point, and I said that we would have to grind through that 350 before we saw anything. Obviously, Morgan Stanley. You know, I, I don't know which one tried to screw me, Morgan or Stanley, but one of them, one of them saw us going for that pivot point and um, released a neutral price target. Now, usually these things don't matter, but for whatever reason, EVFM decided to go down 40 cents on your boy because of a because of because of some analyst schmook decided that the price was neutral. I talked to him on the phone. He said that he feels that Fexi will take a while to come into the market. Uh fine, whatever. But that being said, I still think that uh, that we have to grind through the 350 and once we get through the 350, then then I think we'll start to see some more movement. It sucks that it came out then. Uh, they also officially hired their 60 people, and now they're on the payroll, which is good. We knew that they hired them, but them giving them stock options and uh, them giving them options means that they're fully vested into the company now. Good. Load zone. All right. So let's dive right into the, uh, the Q&A section. First one's first. How do you guys accept big, heartbreaking, out-of-control losses, like blindside offering losses? Uh, usually, stocks mainly do offerings whenever they've run up a good bit, and I don't like to hold too much of those. Uh, I was already out a good bit of AVGR. I post my positions on my Instagram every day, and uh, you could see I only had about 3500 when it got down there. So I didn't lose too much on it, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm still swinging a lot. I'm going to... I'm going to load the boat real soon. Um, I mean, like I have a boat loaded. This is about heartbreaking losses, not AVGR. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Heartbreaking losses. How do you um, avoid them? And how, no, how do you just don't fall in them? love? Oh, yeah. oh, we're talking about accept stocks. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. But, um, okay. So first off, you have to understand that's part of the game. We play a game where most of the people fail 
And it's a game about controlling your losses and letting your wins run. So once you understand that when you're playing with fire, you're bound to get burned. Okay. It's, we literally play Russian roulette with ourselves. Uh, one, one time you're going to get, you're going to get knocked in the head. You're going to get shot in the face one time. Um, so that's kind of how I look at it. Yeah. That's kind of how I look at it. But that being said, how you limit these things is buy, sell short has a great video on it, but real quick, if something runs two to 300%, just, I don't know why you don't cut some like a 200%. You should automatically cut half. That's all. Yeah. Okay, uh, next one. How do you react to unanticipated news in a position you sold? I bought and sold Jiva with no movement, then it skyrocketed out of nowhere. Did I just not do enough DD? I don't think doing more DD would have let you know when the stock was going to skyrocket, but you got to think. I mean, a lot of people lost money on it. So you just got to take it with a grain of salt and just understand that uh, how do I react to unanticipated news on the position I sold? I, I don't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I lost money. I took a loss on something and the next day it was worth seven figures. It is what it is. Um, you know, it's not about the DD at that point. It's just, again, we play Russian roulette. You, you play with fire, you're bound to get burned. Um, you know, if something has a catalyst do Q3 and you get tired of it and you cut it, you have to understand that eventually news is going to come out on it. You just, it just happened to be the day after you decide to cut it. It's just coincidence. Um, but you know, if you really, if if you are thinking like that, then you probably should have kept like 20% in at least. I think you need a new analogy instead of Russian roulette. There's literally like no benefit to playing Russian roulette. I mean. Like a rush? Yeah. I mean, dude, we're like, we're all psychopaths. At, I mean, we are. We have to be. Facts. Okay. Uh, hey, Dan, love the show. Love you too. Quick tax question. In a retail account, do you just total up the net from wins and losses after sale and add that to your income? I assume TDA will 1099 me. This is the first year I've made any money. Shout out to Atlas. And I'm up about 56K this year. Congrats. Uh, any help? Yeah, so we're going to do an entire show towards the end of Q3 about taxes. Um, but you will get a huge packet in the mail from TD. It, they make it, or really any broker, they make it super easy for you. Um, I am self-employed. You know, I am a student. Even, even if you have um, like a TurboTax and file your own, they they actually yeah. have like a copy paste shit. Yeah. Where you you it on TurboTax, it has a section where it's like, do you play with stocks? And it's like, yes. And like, hold your hand. And it's like, okay, well, if you used Weeble, click here, log in. And it will automatically have the file, basically. Yeah, exactly. It's super simple. It's super simple. Or if you have an accountant, which which most of you should, most of you should. Um, if you have an accountant, just give them the whole packet. All right, cool. Uh, how do halts work? Uh, yeah, Gary Trades, baby, on YouTube. We just did a video yesterday. It'll be dropping Sunday, Sunday night. Sunday, tonight, yeah. Yeah, tonight. Sunday. So as you listen to this, Gary will be uploading his video. We go into deep, deep segment about halts. We usually compete to see who uploads first. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so I, we and I give an analogy about women on there. Uh, <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> about are you uh, a bar? Uh No, actually, we are sitting wow. down at a restaurant with the girl. You want uh, me to tell you? I'll tell you. A bar. I said halts are like. You know, like when you go on a first date and you're sitting there and like, she's like rubbing your thigh, being all nice and like, oh, Dan, you're so sweet. And then all okay. of a sudden the waiter gives you the wrong, gives her, you know, like chicken marsala instead of like chicken parm. And she freaks, she like gets it all up in his face and she's like, you dumb bitch. And like, she's freaking out. And then she just sits back down and she's like, so babe, how was your day? That's. That is That's... an awful analogy, man. <laughs> that one is, I think, might be your worst. <laughs> just you don't even know what I, you don't even know what I was going to say about it. I'm just saying, I'm just giving you. And then I'm she just starts it. giving you head in the in the <laughs> dining booth. Yeah, dude, was it worth it? That's PRPO. I had to. She was. She went to the bathroom for four hours and then came out with twelve thousand bucks for me because she robbed the place. What you got? Uh, <laughs> well, the question was all right. To give context, the question was. Uh, how do you tell which way a, which way a halt's gonna go? And so that's why I use the analogy of the girl that 
you know, you don't know. I guess we'll just have to wait and listen to Gary's YouTube video. This you know, is just I'm supposed gonna, to be a plug for the video, man. You know, right. I'm going to I'm gonna ask everyone what they, if they get my analogy. Because, you know, I bet they do. I bet they do. We'll find out in Gary's video. Next question. <laughs> I'm just wondering what the best option is for full market depth on level two. I'm living in Canada, uh, so I'm not sure if it's different for you guys. But I never see walls, and my level two only shows maybe five points at a time. Uh, anything you can suggest to me? I'm guessing you're level two. You're seeing all orders. Thanks, bro. I think your best bet for the whole Canadian situation is to talk to Amanda Cerny on Twitter, uh, from Canada, really helpful person for that. But level twos, I think, you know, different brokers, it, it is definitely different for each, a lot of them. What do you think about that? Hugh? Yeah, I, I really don't know much about Canada. I mean, Canada is beautiful, but uh, as far as level two goes, it sounds like you don't, it sounds like you have a ladder it's called to where it, you can see like what different prices are at, but that you can't see the orders. That's, that's what it sounds like to me. But again, I really don't know. Amanda's probably the best to tell you. I, I really don't know. If you have a friend in America, just have them open up a TD or something and, uh, log in. Is that legal? Is that I legal? don't know. Uh, yeah, probably not. Well, we're not financial advisors. Good time to let everyone know that. Yeah, we um, don't know where we're, we're broke college yeah. kids. Yeah, we're not brokers, we're broke. Um, <laughs> why don't you alert options, Hugh? I, I don't alert them because I don't play them. What about you? Uh, I don't alert options because options are super are a super easy way to blow up your account. Even me, my risk to reward ratio changes on options um, to where most of the time I'm most of the time my strategy is not. 80 20 proof and it's not really catalyst based it's more fundamental chart based and so that in itself changes the risk to reward and also the other thing is that if i alert that i'm taking tesla 100 one you know or what is it like 1500 call options um at this price that all that's going to do is drive up my option price to where the underlying price is not the valuation metrics so you know you'll be driving up my price which thank you (laughs) <laughs> but it won't make sense for the valuation perspective. Such a good guy. I know. Thank you. Uh, so uh, I don't alert them because one, uh, half of you will get your accounts blown up. So that's why I don't do that. He doesn't, he doesn't do it because he's so much smarter than you guys. And uh, that's what <laughs> he said. He said, I'm so much smarter than you guys. And uh, I just don't think you guys are smart enough to do it without losing money. <laughs> well, Dan's uh, so- definitely not. But you guys, everyone else, everyone else. Wait, yeah, what'd you yeah. say last week? I can't be the, I can't be, what'd you say? I can't be the stupidest fucking person <laughs> listening to this podcast. Yeah. I'm, I'll take bets. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, so a couple of people want to know, do you have any index funds or ETF funds in your Roth? <clears throat> yeah, so I like the Qs, uh, QQQ. Okay, I like QQQ. Um, there are a few index funds that you guys can go into. I, I really like some of the ones that BlackRock and Vanguard, or I think, I think it's BlackRock. And there's a few other brokers that where they make these index funds with certain retirement dates. So what that means is that they change the index based on the retirement date. So the retirement date for some of them is 60 years out where the retirement date for some of them is 30 years out. So what they do is, is that not only do they change how the index is weighted, but they also change it so that if you're 60 years out, um, it's really it's more risky. But if you're only 10 years out, then what it does is that it transitions from less growth to more value stocks. And so I think that that's really cool. That if you really don't know what to do with your Roth, find you know reach out to BlackRock or you know do a little bit of research. And um, a lot of these funds have they're called retirement indexes, and then they'll have a certain date for maturity. And that's really cool because if you don't want to pay attention and you don't know how you should be weighting your speculative risk versus your, um, versus your non-risky or like, you know, your value stocks, like your AT&Ts versus your gross stocks, like UAVS, um, this index does it for you. So it'll just weight it like it'll weight it for you. And I think that that's really cool. All right, sweet. Um, we can drop, I can tweet some of those too. All right, cool. Uh, we got one more question, and then we can get into working while trading. Not really a question directly related to pennies, so I'm sure if it's appropriate topic for the show. Hugh, I'd love to hear your thoughts, and Dan's, of course. I think he edited that part in because it was an edited message. On investments <laughs> in property slash real estate slash REITS. 
R-E-I-T's. I don't know what that is. As younger guys, well, I know it's unlikely <laughs> to already have properties, but is that path potentially interests you? You know, a lot of rich people that probably sold drugs to make money say they made it all with real estate. So yeah, that does interest me. Uh, I'd have to look into it a lot more. Uh, and this is by my boy Kink. Shout out Kink. Uh, yeah, so this is really cool. So um, the re- I call them, I'm, I'm never going to say it because you guys can make fun Reeds. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're reads. Um, so what they are is that you actually contribute. They, think of it like an index. You contribute to the index and then they do everything and it's like a profit share. So it's kind of like an index um, with like dividends and stuff like that. Um, but you don't have to take care of the properties. Um, then you have real estate. And so this is something that I have an apartment. I have two apartments and um, all they do is that they contribute to, it's really, it doesn't do much right now. And I don't own the full apartments outright. I own a percentage kind of like a right. Um, But I, I do plan to get into real estate because there's some real benefits into real estate. One, the taxes are insane. The taxes, I mean, like right now I get shafted by taxes. I write a bigger check then I'll ever write myself for taxes every year. Um, and then with real estate, you can write off office space. You can write off any re- um, repairs that you do. You can write off your, um, you know, some payments. So it's really cool. Depreciation. There's so much that you can do in the real estate sector. And then on top of that, it gives you a chance to leverage yourself. So if you take a million dollars a year, you can leverage that to like $10 million worth. Or if you really want to leverage yourself, um, most of the time you only need about a 20% down payment. So if you have a million dollars or you, I mean, hell think about if you have $10 million, if you have $10 million, you can leverage yourself 20 times and that can really give you a, you know, um, because we are stock traders and that there is times where we don't make much money during the month. So by in, by diversifying yourself and adding real estate, you can add supplemental income that not saying that's always there, but the, um, say that like in Hoboken, the vacancy rate is about 15%. So if you own a hundred units at one time, the most amount of units that will not be filled will be 15. And even that's probably pretty high. So it gives you a way to supplement your income. So if you can live just on your real estate and so say that, uh, every month you make a thousand dollars from real estate and then, you know, 800 goes towards the mortgage because you're leveraging yourself and you live off of the $200 a month, then everything that you make from trading is pure gravy money. And then you just keep leveraging yourself. We can totally go into that at a different time, but um, I have like 15 Excel sheets. Yeah, to the people that can live off that $200 a month. Like, <laughs> uh, um, yeah, he, you know, he, he, he's moving out uh, for the first time on Monday. I, so am, give him a I am, tomorrow, tomorrow. I started breaking <laughs> down my desk. Uh, okay, so one more. This is a little scenario that just kind of popped to me. It's I'm 21 years old, and I live with my mom, and I uh, and I had this option. I did, I'm not sure if I made money or lost money. It doesn't matter because this week it was worth 10 million dollars. This is actually about you, Hugh. Um, how is that? Do you want to talk about that? Uh, yeah, we can talk about that. So I just took, a little quickie, just because I thought it was kind of silly. That's so nice, thank you. Yeah, you know, I really <laughs> didn't. Yes, yeah, so that would have been my biggest trade ever. Um, yeah, no shit. It's three times the size of your account. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so I took Tesla options on Thursday, and it, oh, we should definitely talk about this. Stop saying yeah, last Thursday. Stop saying Tesla is a bubble. Okay, you have to understand why it's going up. It was added to the S&P, which means that indexes have to add it. So indexes that follow the S&P have to add. It's like follow the leader. Okay, they have to buy. Okay, what does volume predicts price action? So when indexes are buying, the price is going to go up because it has to follow the S&P. So stop saying that Tesla, yes, Tesla's a bubble up here, but it doesn't matter because it was added to the S&P. Therefore, indexes that follow the S&P have to buy. When there's more buying pressure than selling pressure, the price goes up. So I've been playing a lot of Tesla options for that reason. Um, last Thursday, I, I, I was up a good bit. And on the high of the day break, I was going to take X amount of options and I added a zero. I then got flushed and I ended up selling for about a $90,000 loss. Yes, it hurts, but it is what it is. 
Um, I knew that I was going on vacation. I didn't want the stress of holding it. Uh, yeah. Anyways, he had weak hands and lost 9,000 instead of gaining 10 million. 90. I probably would have sold 90. it. 90. Yeah. So I, w- I would have sold that on, um, wait, 90 I, million? No, 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 uh, no, uh, no, uh, no. I would have, I, lo- I lost 90 after being yeah, up 150. Yeah. Right. But didn't it go all the way to 10 million this week? Yeah, like 9.7. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that stinks. Okay, uh, now to finish it up with, and this was an absolute ball, uh, our working while trading segment where we discuss how different traders manage their trades while working different jobs. And today we got some really cool DJs. I'm not sure how I introduced them in there. So if I've already said this, take it out, Vinny. But you know what it is. Let's get it. Okay, now we're back to working while trading with the hottest and self-proclaimed tallest DJs in the world. Breathe Carolina, <laughs> whose song Blackout peaked at a staggering number one on the UK indie charts. But even more impressive, they're traders, just like us. Well, come on, guys. How are you? Damn, number one in the UK. <laughs> UK, in, UK indie charts. That's how you know. Astrid. Astrid. That's how you know. That's how you know that we, you know we did it right. Too, you know what I mean? Dude, I mean, that's a, I mean, the Americans weren't as big of fans. Number 32 is not bad, but I mean, the, the Brits were digging it. Listen, nobody, nobody listening to this had a number one UK indie. So we did better than anyone listening. That's all Dude, right. we're the number one podcast in Bermuda. In Bermuda I, no, yeah. I get it. Yeah. You guys are so there's, all stars in our own right. You know what I mean? See, yeah. Different. You put us together. Who knows what we're going to accomplish? What's crazy is so, how much money you guys make from doing the podcast. Like, like so, trading is one thing, but how much money you bring in, like revenue from the podcast? Dude, and it's like, Vinny, how can you ever bitch test? You're getting like $25,000 per podcast episode. It's crazy. <laughs> so, and, and all of that's in Bermudan currency as well, which is extremely more uh, valuable than the U.S. dollar. Wow. That was like my mom's oh, yeah. question when I told her to listen to our podcast. She's like, oh, like how much money do you guys make? Like, like, eh. I was like, oh, no, we really don't, we don't, it costs us money to do the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't. They'll understand eventually. I'll be like, look, mom, I'm with these guys and they they put like pianos and saxophones over old songs. It's kind of hard to under it's hard to explain. But next they, thing you know, nice. you got a number one in the UK indie charts. Yeah. Dude, yeah, you you remix this podcast right here and we may be onto something. Oh, don't think we won't, dude. We'll do it. <laughs> okay, dude. So <laughs> the first the first question, man. How exactly did you guys get into trading at first and why was it Bitcoin? How did we get? No, it wasn't Bitcoin. You know what it was? It was the first thing we ever traded like years ago was Litecoin, <laughs> not yeah. even Bitcoin. I knew, it. I knew it was a cryptocurrency. It was, but just, this was like, this is saw like, it in your eyes. You didn't even know it was trading. You know we, what I mean? I, I think we probably saw like Bitcoin on Twitter and we were like, oh, sick. We were in Israel. In we were in Israel. And uh, like, how the hell else are we going to order MDMA off the internet? No, it's exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, it was uh, my little brother. We were in Israel and all the Israelis were talking about Bitcoin and they kept going, baby. Bitcoin, baby. And we're like, yeah, for sure. And we, uh, at the time, couldn't afford Bitcoin. So we just saw Litecoin. And we're like, it's the same thing, but cheap. <laughs> and I think we made like... Smart. Nice. Then, well, dude, that's a really good start. That's more than I make per podcast episode. I mean, there you go. And then <laughs> Way more. Around, how did we start trading? I mean, what happened? <laughs> the COVID-19 happened. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, just like everybody. Like every, I guess the other the huge influx of people is, yeah, like COVID happened. We stopped touring so much and we were like, all right, we need some, like a reason to get up in the morning. So we just kind of started messing around. We got like insanely lucky at first. Both were like in genus, like at the absolute bottom. Sold, actually sold it like on the pop. They had no idea what we were doing. Sold it like at 11 before it like crashed. And then Katov like right after that like took off. So it like shot up our shit like right away. And then now we're actually like paying attention. But at that time we both made like pretty retarded money for having absolutely no idea what we were doing oh so you guys were like you guys were like oh wall street doesn't know what they're talking about this is so freaking easy yeah it's easy I mean, yeah off the bat we were like i was like telling my family i'm a trader now <laughs> <laughs> i'm like you know you're like i thought the music thing was working out sweetie i'm like if you guys need any like investment tips like just telling my like dad and like rich i'm like yeah dude, just hit me up. people are like what do you do like how did you know i'm like dude follow yates man that's the only thing you gotta do <laughs> Hey, dude, it's a real good strategy. This shit's not rocket science, man. All the people with the 11 monitors, they're, 
they're just fooling you you know this is easy yeah <laughs> yeah i think we both went through and we both went through like the i think the steps that like a lot of people took we both went through them like really fast like like motley fool yates bss paid room like all the all the steps that you were supposed to take like over like a period of time we did it in like four days and then now we want it all now yeah now we're here like all right kind of understand it i'm surprised uh i know you said you started with uh around 10k i believe i'm surprised you didn't just say fuck it i'm putting in 25 we're pdt traders baby i didn't even know that was a thing i didn't know like 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 (laughs) when i first started the account i didn't know what day trading was. I was like, dude, I'm investing in Genus, man. It's going to pop up. I remember the first time I got for it, I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah, what do you... I can't, I can't <laughs> just day trade with like $2,000 in there? Like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> like, dude, what are you trying to... Why are you trying to prevent me from financial freedom? <laughs> exactly. <Am I> too <laughs> much money that now you're stopping me? Come on. <laughs> Did you guys yeah, get flagged? What did you say? Did you guys get flagged for uh, too I, much day trading? Uh, yeah, I got flagged. I think only one time or two times, but they took it off. I just wrote them and they, they took it off. So that was cool. Whoa. Yeah, that was nice. Well, I mean, you guys are international superstars. Yeah, I mean, it's just you don't want very us bad. to read about you. If we... <laughs> God forbid. Dude, ever since... I think I've gained like 40 followers since we've started like interacting on Twitter. Uh, just send the check they... straight to my house that you... from. The... Oh, yeah. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I also get money every time I tweet. Uh <laughs> They're like subliminal ads. Like you don't see them, but like soon enough, you're like, "Oh fuck, I need to buy some Skittles." Exactly. So, uh, so what? How how exactly are you guys trading now? I, from the sound of it, it sounded like you you were like, "Holy shit, Genius is the next Cartoon Network." I'm holding it until it's fifty. Uh, no, we the the crazy <laughs> thing is, is we, it popped so crazy, and we were both up so much that we actually sold it. Like we didn't even sell it because we knew that we should sell it up there. We just sold it because we were both, I was like looking at my account. I was like, I just made 10 grand. <laughs> I just, yeah, a shit ton of money. <laughs> like, I, I didn't That's know. A lot of money. Yeah. I mean, when you have absolutely no idea what you're doing, you know? Uh, yeah. But now I understand like why it crashed after that. Like when it literally crashed five seconds later, I didn't even know why it crashed. I was just like saying stuff that I had seen on Twitter. I was like, stop loss raid. I had like no idea what that meant, but I was just like saying it. Uh, dude, this is this is a business and investing podcast. You you make yourself right at home, feet on the couch, whatever, dude. <laughs> it's, my couch. it's my couch, man. It's not your couch, dude. I bought this yeah. couch. I bought this couch in half cash and half credit, bro. Like, I'd be like oh shit, that builds yeah, credit. Dude. That builds credit. Airline miles, man. <laughs> dude, yeah, dude. Now that JC, I've always used a JC Penny credit card, and they're uh. They're closing, so it's like now. What do I do with all my JC Penney's rewards points? <laughs> Got to roll over to something. Might roll over, right? Like maybe a Macy's. Yeah. Yeah, you would think. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so I know that you guys have been able to trade a whole lot more during this whole uh, like this thing that's going on. Like there's some like flu or I don't know. They get like pissed off if you call it the flu. I I don't I haven't really heard much about it, but I had I had it. I personally had it, and nothing happened to me. So I you came out stronger. Dude, I didn't know. I like I had gotten tested, didn't have it because we were in China, like as it was happening. Like it, we were. Oh, like, fuck you know, yeah! So Whoa, we were, like, we they were, let like, you back in? Yeah, was, we were. Dude, we literally landed, and then three days later, it was like global pandemic. China borders closed, and we had just got home like three days. <laughs> so we were like, we have it for sure. And then so we we got tested, didn't have it. Then so you guys I, potentially brought it to America? Yeah, no, people are yeah. saying that it was us. Oh wow! Yeah. Patience. It's good, but no publicity is bad publicity. No, exactly. That's what they say. <laughs> yeah, and then I got tested again, and I had the antibodies, so they said that I did have it at some point, but I never got sick. So, do you think like I could have some of the antibodies because I haven't had it yet? So yeah, no, like, I could try. I think I could do it through uh, Venmo. You just like yeah, send, it just send it over. Yeah, just Dude, like we, DM it. To, we'll figure it out. Yeah, we don't leave the house enough, Dan. We, I, yeah. I wouldn't even know what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. If if like. If people didn't tweet about shit, like I'd be like, "Why the fuck is everyone wearing a mask?" Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, okay, it's Ninja Appreciation Month. I get it. Like, cool. Um, 
So whenever you guys do get back to doing shows and everything, how do you think that's going to affect your trading? You guys going to be fucking super swing traders or is it just going to be like, I know it's going to be tough when you're getting home during the pre-market and recovering from like Molly hangovers on a daily basis. (laughs) So, uh, I mean, the way I I see it is like, we're going to be up. We're we're up at like five anyway, going to the airport. Usually we always buy Wi-Fi on a plane. So will you probably Whoa, be what? Like, yeah, yeah. We 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 we're we're not that frugal. We, we pay the twelve bucks for the Wi-Fi. Do you guys know the markups <laughs> on Wi-Fi? Are you guys insane? Are, Dude. are you guys insane? Do you guys fly first class? Do you guys get the extra leg room? We don't too? pay for first class, but we get upgraded like ninety eight percent of the time because we're platinum. Our executive. Damn, that's awesome. We're buying the cheap seats. But we're getting upgraded to the big boys, so it's like a win-win every time. You know what I'm saying? That, damn it, dude, we've got to be there. But then we buy the two thousand dollar internet, so it kind of. My ears are bleeding. My ears, listening to you typing your credit card to buy the Wi-Fi, (laughs) it hurts my soul, fellas. Dude, well, they they have a blue check mark, so I mean, naturally, that like they get a bunch of money, like residually, like just being on the internet now. Like so, it's just how much every time they spend on the internet, they just get a shit ton of money. Exactly, and T T Mobile gave us gave us free service and phones, so it all it all it all equals that. Oh, dude, back in 2011, T Mobile was sponsoring just about anyone. It was you and Shaq, baby. (laughs) 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 Oh man, it sucks that no one they sponsored could keep them relevant in the phone industry, though. But I think I if anyone's think... gonna bring it back, y'all heard it here first. T-Mobile. Straight up. I don't even think we answered your question though. But uh... I think <laughs> you know what I'm worried about though is because we we do a lot of shit in like Asia too. So like the internet is always horrible there. So like when we leave for Asia for like two weeks at a time, chances are we might not even be able to like log into an account to see what's happening. So I'm like, do I like set oh, stop shit. loss at every single thing I have in case something really bad happens? Or do we like? Do you just cash yeah, out? Yeah, cash you, out. Do you give Dan? In. Do you give Dan your login just to handle yeah, we'll it for give you? Yeah, like, login. <laughs> dude, dude, no you way. Log into, uh, you log into the internet in China, go to TD Ameritrade or whatever, and all the Chinese companies like SXTC and shit, they're all like four times higher. Yeah. <laughs> dude, banker bankrupt, baby, banker bankrupt. Yeah. Two weeks later, you come back rich as hell or richer. <laughs> Or bro. Or yeah, bro. I think. Yeah, I would just, I would just review it with you. Uh, you know, for uh, we'll work out the details. Like maybe some residual checks on maybe a song that didn't hit number one on the UK indie indie charts. Right. I know yeah, those are probably like a, paying for like a five percent. You know yeah, I mean? off the top. We'll yeah, make you guys maybe famous. DJs. Can I be part? Ooh, that's also not a bad idea. I was going to say partial ownership of the All Star song. We but have ownership of that song. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Those Smash Mouth guys do not seem like they're gonna get. It's like Yellow Card still suing Juice World after he's dead. Ah, uh, don't even uh, yeah. on that. We ripped on them on on Twitter. That was not a cool move. <laughs> I know Dude, I'm still like, I still, I still talk shit about them. Yeah, it was not. It was the wackest shit ever. Like, Yo, you have one fucking music? song. What's up, Dan? What? If we start tweeting, if we start tweeting Twitter beefs, you know, with music. I mean, we could genuinely get into the t- music industry. That's I don't, I don't, dude. Yeah, sure. and dude, and you guys. Okay, so look, you guys are you guys are old. Let's face it. Me and you, we're the young bucks. You guys make the You're music, put it young, out with man. these. All right, fair enough. Anyways, next question. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think uh, setting limit cells and stop losses is a good idea if you if you don't trust your friend Dan with uh, that. Um, so you, you guys have clearly had a good run up in your accounts because you've told me because we are good enough friends that we can talk about financials clearly. Um, how exactly have you noticed the past few weeks, past month changing from the beginning of your trading experience? Is it a little different with uh, how slow the market's gotten and also yeah, with cool. the fact that you're, you're more experienced. I think we got in at a good time. Like when it was like right when everything crashed in March and shit, like we were buying shit cheap and then just seeing it rise like quicker. And we were like, Oh hell yeah, we got this shit down. And then now it's like <laughs> a lot harder to like make the games that we were making without even knowing what we were doing. You know what I mean, like, it, like, uh, dude, it, it was so easy. I regret every day, not maxing out credit cards and trading with it then. <laughs> yeah. yeah I've, I've noticed that, uh, like 
this week especially, there's been like one like I don't know if it's a bad thing or a good thing. You guys probably think it's a bad thing, but I've kind of liked it. Um, there's just been like one obvious like day play every day this week, like one or two, which is and it's like, been AVGR every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like today, today was like uh like GEVO or whatever, and it's just like it's like uh, yeah. it seems to be those like obvious like like plays that like everybody's like FOMOing on. Where like before it was like there was like FOMO on like 15 things a day. So you could literally just like rack out so hard. So I don't, but I, I mean, we never traded in August before. I've just heard you guys say that it's absolutely horrible. It doesn't They're just trying to scare August you. August is as horrible. No, I, I didn't make anything last August. I didn't make anything. I said I was going to take off this month, but then that didn't happen. And then here you are on the podcast with the number one DJs in how the did, UK. How did you guys start like getting so into this and so good at it? Like where did that come from? Uh, I started making videos so I could be friends with people that were actually good at it. And then I was like, I'll just cheat my way to getting good at it. Uh, I think Hugh actually spent five years practicing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I was trying to impress the girls and uh, I followed BS Test one play. I made like a thousand dollars. I was like, done, baby. <laughs> yeah, that's the mentality. You're like, sign me up. Yeah. Yeah, this is cool. I like this. Dude, dude that, that first trade, it's always like, dude, I'm like, market tuition? The fuck is that? They're paying me to go to this motherfucker. <laughs> it is crazy when you first start. Like, everybody I know that, like, signs up for Weeble or, like, a Robinhood, whatever, like, the first week, every single person makes money. It's, like, crazy, like, how everybody I know that signed up, like, they're like, dude, this is so – I made 2K in bed today, man. I'm like, all right, give it, like, five days. It's not going to be like that. Like, that's just your first uh, – Yeah, dude, like, take those gains, deposit them, and then keep trading <laughs> with what you first had. Oh, man. Yeah, it's, it's been it's been a, a wild ride, especially these past few months. And, like, it's been like a eagle soaring through the, the wind, like, majestically just flapping its wings as we glide into greener pastures daily. Damn, Do you feel fires. the same? That was a good sermon. I got really lucky. Yeah. And I was like imagining it. I was like, oh, that's so <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude. You're like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, you, you got it down. Um, so I think really how we can wrap this up is uh, you're getting married. I, I am getting married. I, I have not gotten married yet. He just got married, la- got married a year last ago. Summer. Yeah. yeah, last summer. So, okay. Dude, I'm getting so married too. Want- Hell yeah. <laughs> Married he's boys, he's married not boys. getting married. I was going to say, he's, he's 21 or something. I don't think he's getting married. Yeah. yeah. Um, so just because I like public commitment, we are invited. Yeah. No, yeah. I, t- I told you last night on Fuck the yes. in Twitter DM. I know, I know, but that was in private. I just want to make sure everyone – so, like, if you don't invite us, like, I, I don't want to hear that our invitation got lost in the mail and I'm seeing Instagram pictures and, you know, I'm like, oh, my God, what am I going to do with this tuxedo, right? Yeah, no. So, I yeah, I mean, Dave's yeah, here yeah. As, my, as my witness. You guys, you guys are invited. You have to come. Where do you guys live? Let's go, Alabama, baby. I have a good friend that lives there. Where do you, do you guys both live in the same place? No, 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 no. You would never catch me, man. I was in Virginia this week, man. I wanted to jump off of the cliff. I was hiking, man. <laughs> uh, never. I'm in New Jersey. Okay. So, so at your wedding. Are, is there going to be like real musicians there? <laughs> <laughs> Not that you guys aren't, but you know. <laughs> no, nah, no, nah, I mean like we ones are. that like I don't know, like have talent. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, they'll like, yeah, people that actually. Like, I, I, I think what you guys do is cool. Where yeah, where you get on and you have like your MacBook or whatever, and you just you press the space bar. And yeah. it, like you just have all these underage chicks dancing and getting soap all over them. And all right, shit. you got to be eighteen to come to our shows, man. It's by law. No, you eighteen. You got eighteen. What? You got to have something that says you're eighteen. <laughs> that's that's okay. That's that's okay. okay. <laughs> oh man. Well, I am happy to let you know that I do have a driver's license that says I'm 25. Uh, the bouncer. We're gonna have to talk about like why. You know, I do have. Yeah. By the way, you can't you can't come to my wedding if you don't go. (laughs) I know, I know. I look like I'm gonna shoot the place up, and I'm not. I promise. My wife will freak out. She'll be like, "Who's this random kid with the with the bald head?" I'll be like, "I met him on the internet." 
we had we had to bring him. Like, look at him, honey. <laughs> make a he doesn't wish. have much time. I'll just I'll just talk in a British accent. I'll be like, oh, I'm a huge UK indie fan back in 2011. <laughs> oh man well i've had a blast uh this has been the weirdest well there's only been two but this is absolutely going to be a hard to top uh working while trading segment uh this this has been amazing i feel blessed (laughs) well i hope this was recorded i'm I'm curious no money i lost while talking to you that's the real point all right yeah i think think we can all check together one sec i I really don't want to yeah, well, Hugh, you have more money than the rest of us. Well, I actually, these guys are world famous, so you probably, I mean, they yeah, I'm were... I'm just a college kid. Yeah, I'm yeah. Today. you're just a poor college kid. The swing, my yeah. swing account is down, so that's cool. Oh, dude, yeah, yeah, your swing account. Yeah, well, dude, my... I have, uh, I, I, I have two now, apparently. Do you guys have a Roth IRA? No, <laughs> we, don't, we were just talking about getting Roth IRAs. I, I, I are you guys kidding me? I set mine up yesterday. So, oh, you shit. guys... You guys buy internet on a plane on a ten k. Hey, guy, I know, I know. We listened Dude, to this I, episode, man. I had you know how many people tweeted me that said, "Yo, move on." It's just a Roth IRA. I was like, hurting. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just your family. Dude, like, on it now, though. You know. Okay. Uh, well, like I said, it, I I would love to just sit and chat all day. Maybe, like we could all spoon or something like sometime in a very uh, platonic way. Uh, and you know, maybe we could hang out again. And if you guys don't want to, uh, just don't say you don't want to. Just don't respond we'll to me. We'll have you guys on think. our podcast. Yeah, we'll have you guys on our podcast. And, you know, I mean, thing. I mean, that's on. <laughs> I don't know if we, we can only- afford your fee. But yeah, uh, oh yeah, dude. We, we'll get Vinny in touch with you. And uh, <laughs> do you guys have custom shoes? We have custom shoes. Shoes. We, well, we shoes. haven't. Well, we we were promised not yet because we crashed yeah. our we crashed our sponsor's website. We also well, we've been spot promised lots of shit. We we're we're not the people don't deliver. So it's coming. It, might, it's coming. It's coming. Yes. Okay. So I you guys hey so you guys can have something to say. I will give you a Breathe Carolina private jet. So now you guys can say you guys have one, or at least it's on its, its way. It's being built right it's now. Being built. It's being built. Yeah, I mean, like Drake had one, but that took a long time to build. Yeah, yeah it's you custom. Know, yeah, he's not it's, like that. It's, it's, it takes he's not like I mean, does, he has no number one UK indie chart. So I guarantee yeah. he does not have a number one UK <laughs> indie chart. So That's true. <laughs> All right, guys. All right, dudes. See you guys. Thank Thanks you for having me. See y'all. Thanks for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. This is brought to you by The Blazing Chronicle. See you next week.